once you come to church once you join the church then you be in right standing with me he says no none of that you your righteousness is secured by grace through faith by faith alone you are saved by faith alone by his grace by the redeeming power of the blood of jesus you have been made right and whole with god hallelujah welcome once again to kingdom rock radio well on today's broadcast we're going to start a whole new series this series is entitled revival fires and this message is part number one of that series and it is subtitled the great feast god has prepared a great feast for all of us and he has invited all humanity to come to celebrate his goodness and his greatness how he has prepared a way of salvation a way of right standing and favor with him a way for us to have victory over hell death and the grave and that way is through jesus christ oh my god i cannot wait for you to hear this message it's going to richly bless you now don't forget to go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org it is there that you can hear today's message and the entire series and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast youtube channel and so much more just go to our website for details www.kingdomrock.org all right without any further ado here comes today's message the great feast right here on kingdom rock radio revival fire there is a change coming a change is coming and let me give you our uh, root scriptures for this series so i'm going to get your your bible out your pads out your pens you're ready to take notes here we are in mark 15 rather mark 16 i'm gonna read to you verses 15 through 20 and it says this and he said unto them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature this is after the lord jesus christ has been resurrected and he's come back to speaking to his to speak to his disciples he says he says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved he that believeth not shall be damned now the word believe here i want you to really see this the word believe here means to trust in to rely upon trust in rely upon all right now let me give you i need two examples of two um volunteers right quick to come up with me let's do it on this side here two volunteers all right one all right two very good two volunteers very good now do uh do you trust uh do you trust your brother sometimes, sometimes she says <laughs> come over here come over here right here all right i want you to turn turn to him you you turn turn this way there you go all right tito you hold hold your sister under her shoulder put put your pain hold your arm up there we go come on put the other arm here all right now i want you to lean back don't let her fall lean back just a little bit go ahead lean back come on all right you you take a step back to you take a step back okay all right now liberty go ahead and keep leaning back keep leaning back to your weight comes on him lean back a little bit further all right hold right there you got her don't let her fall don't let your sister fall all right she is now believe this is an example of her belief in her brother because if he moves don't move if he moves she will fall okay let's stop let's go <laughs> all right strength couldn't hold her up all right all right this is assuming thank you give him a hand please thank you so much thank you so much that's an example of believing okay that's an example of believing all right well let me have them back up one more time let me show you an example of what's not believing all right come on all right, got three volunteers this time. All right, now, what I want you to do, are you ready? All right, 
Now, she said, I believe in my brother, but put one foot behind you. Kind of brace yourself. All right, good. And lean back just a little bit. All right. Just a little bit. Just stop right there. And you, Tito, you put your hands up there. Hold her. All right. Now, she said, I believe you, but she's not putting her weight on him. Right? I believe you. She said, she said, I believe sometimes. All right, that he'll hold me sometime. This is what a lot of people do. I believe in Jesus, but they're bracing themselves. Okay? All right, thank you. Thank you guys so much. You, you three did a great job. You did such a great job. Thank you so much. So he said, he that believe, believes, you put your full trust and weight on Christ. Okay? Not bracing yourself. You put your full trust and weight on Christ. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. That is to be condemned. Now, let me give you another example of this. Uh, let's say you have to go somewhere that you've never been before. Let's say you have to go to some small city in California. You've never been there before. Okay? You've never known it. It's a small city, and there's an address way off the beaten path, way back up in the woods somewhere. Now, if you use your GPS, your GPS, you'll get there. If you rely, believe in, rely on your GPS, you'll get there. But if you say, I choose not to rely on it, I'm just going to go. You've never been to California. You don't know how to get there. How in the world are you going to make your way there? Right? So you believe not in that GPS, and you're going to be condemned. That is, there's a party over there, and everybody's going to say, where's so-and-so, and, -so? and uh, they didn't show up. Make sense? So you have to have total faith and confidence in Christ. All right. For your salvation, for your deliverance. And, and he says, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall um, take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Uh, they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. So then after uh, the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth. Uh, and preach everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with what signs following all right so how do I know that you really believe the Lord you're trusting in him you're leaning on him you're relying on him hallelujah how do I know that you're really preaching the gospel signs follow the Lord will work with you the Lord will work with you with signs following not just the signs that he's mentioning here, but there are so many other signs as well, like a changed life. And the very first thing we see here, uh, the very first sign that we see here, uh, look at verse number 17 again. It said, then these signs shall follow them that believe. Look at this. The very first sign is what? In my name, they shall cast out devils. Now, the very first devil you're going to cast out is the devil that's in you. Hallelujah. The very first one you're going to deal with is the devil that's in you. Say, I don't have no devil. We'll ask the people to live with you. They'll tell you. The very first one you're going to deal with is what's inside of you. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about some demon. It could be some, something like that, but I'm talking about maybe a nasty attitude. Right? Maybe a hateful disposition. Whatever is unlike Christ. Hallelujah. Whatever is unlike Christ. I don't want to keep naming stuff, but you understand what I'm talking about, right? That's the very first one you're going to deal with, what's in you. And how dare we look at someone else with what they have in their lives and, and don't deal with what's in our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Now, let's go to today's subject today in this very first part in the series. And today we're going to speak from the subject of the great feast. Say with me, the great feast. You are invited. As a matter of fact, 
all of you have been given invitations. You have golden invitations. How do I know you have them? Because I see some on the floor. So I know that you have your invitations. So you've been given invitations. Now that little invitation is very important because it, it's proof once again, uh, and of course there are scripture references on the invitation, but it is proof that you are invited. God has invited you. It is an illustration that God has invited you to a great feast. We're going to talk about that today. Let's go to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and I'm thankful that you're praying with me today. Amen. Let's go to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 1 through 3, and we'll be looking, looking at this, reading this out of the New Living Translation. I'm so excited to be here before you today. It says here, Jesus also told them, also, rather, Jesus also told them other parables. He said the kingdom of heaven uh, can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. Here before you, I have, what do we have here? We have bread and we have uh, the juice is not wine, so don't get excited. It is uh, bread and we have uh, the juice here. Symbols of the great feast, symbols of communion. Are you hearing me? Symbols of communion. So this, he says the king um, who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. Verse three, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those that were invited, but they all refused to come. Now, the king in this context would be talking about God and how God the father uh, created a very great banquet for Christ Jesus, his son. And so Jesus, God is father. Jesus is the is the groom. And who's the bride? It is the church that is actually the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. Those that have made themselves ready. We, we may see this in Revelation, the 19th chapter. And so he sends this word out. Now, Jesus is, is, is playing a a, du a dual rule uh, role, should I say. He's not only the groom, but he's also the lamb that was slain. He's also the dish or the, the feast that the father is serving. Does that make sense? He's serving this feast. All right. You can take a moment and, uh, and help her out the best you can. All right. So it says here in verse number three, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So the Bible says in John, the first chapter, verse 11 through 13, that Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. Are you hearing me? He came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now this scripture encapsulates everything that we're going to say today. Jesus came to his own. Uh, the father uh, released Jesus as the lamb of God who's, who's come to take the sins away of the world, right? He's the lamb of God um, that has given his body, given his body to be broken for us. As we speak about the communion, Jesus is that lamb that has done that. He's also the scapegoat. Uh, if you look in the Old Testament culture, uh, God would have um, uh, certain times of the year, especially on the Day of Atonement, they would take a lamb, of course, and bring him in and shed his innocent blood uh, for the guilty, right? The innocent died for the guilty. 
Of course, that lamb in the Old Testament was a symbol of Christ Jesus. Jesus on the cross never sinned. There was no guile. There's no, no deceit in him. The innocent died for the guilty so that the guilty could become innocent. You understand what I'm saying to you? And so they also took a goat. They took what they call a scapegoat. The high priest would lay his hands upon the goat, upon the head of the goat. And uh, then they would take the goat out to the outside of town. And then they would release the goat. What would happen then is that the goat then had upon its life the sins of all those that were in town, right? So they took the goat outside the town and they released the goat, symbolizing that the sins of the people were gone away, were cast away from the people as far as the east is from the west. No more remembered. The sin is no more here. Well, where did Jesus Christ die on the cross? On the outskirts of town taking the sins away from the people, taking it far away from the people as far as the east is from the west. This is why we say, if you are indeed in Christ Jesus, if you believe in Christ, your sins have been taken away. They have been taken away, hallelujah. They have been washed clean by his blood and taken far away as far as the east is from the west. Well, how far did Jesus take it? The goat in the Old Testament just took it out of town and the, and the goat, you know, just ran off somewhere. But Jesus took our sin. The Bible says that Jesus became sin. He became the sin offering. And when he died upon that cross, he took your sins and my sins down into the lower parts of the earth. He took them into hell. And he dealt with those sins in hell, burning them up there in the fires of hell. So there's now no more record of our wrongs because those sins have been carried away by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, you say, well, those must be just my past sins, just what I did. Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, I doubt you and I were thought about at that time. I don't know what your ancestors were doing. Mine may have been um, in the jungle somewhere in Africa, I guess. I don't know. I'm sure they were doing something over there. Praise the Lord. What were your ancestors doing during that time period? <laughs> I don't know. You understand? I don't know if they had us on their mind in 2018. So when Jesus died upon that cross and he says that his blood has cleansed all those that believe in him, he's not just talking about your, uh, your past sins, one that you say, God, forgive me. He's talking about also your present sins and your future sins. That is over your entire lifetime. Once you step into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and you believe in him as your Lord and Savior, God deals with your sin, period. Jesus becomes your sin offering, period. And all of your sins that you would ever commit, once you step into a relationship with him, every sin that you would ever commit was then put upon the body of Jesus. And Jesus hung upon the cross. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense to you? So it's not just past sins, but it's your present and also the things that you would do. God's got it all taken care of. So if someone says, hey, I, I, I can't go before God because I'm not right, because I'm a bad person, I'm with this, some of that. Listen, you don't understand. God has already taken care of that. So what are we confessing now? We're confessing that his blood has washed away our sins. We're confessing that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're confessing that we are the redeemed, that we have been set free. Hallelujah, that we have been made whole. We have been made one with God through Christ Jesus. Again, the Lord said, all you got to do to, to enter into right, righteousness or right stand with me is believe in my son. Is believe in Jesus. 
He doesn't say to you, you, you've been right standing with me once you knock on a lot of doors or you've been right standing with me once you do a lot of good deeds. You've been right standing with me once you give a tithe or once, once you give an offering, once you come to church, once you join the church, then you've been right standing with me. He says, no, none of that. You, your righteousness is secured by faith through grace, rather by grace through faith. Hallelujah. By faith alone you are saved. By faith alone, by his grace, by the, by the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus, you have been made right and whole with God. Hallelujah. So one, so one man said, so you mean, okay, if Jesus paid the price of all of my sins and all my sins have been forgiven, you mean I could come down to the altar on a Sunday and, uh, and just give Jesus my life and, and leave out and just go out and murder somebody, go out and commit an adultery and, uh, and you know, go out and just do all that stuff and live the rest of my life just like, just like a big demon. You mean God will still forgive me and uh, that, that I'll still go to heaven? Absolutely. Why? Because your salvation is not based upon you. It's based upon the finished work of Christ. Now, I'll also follow that, that question up with this. If you are truly born of God, truly born again, then the Bible says that God's seed is within you. The spirit of God is within you. And you'll have no desire to go out and commit murder and steal and all this other stuff, adultery and fornication and all this other stuff. Hallelujah. You have no desire to do that because he changes you on the inside. You become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So what you have is a lot of people who pretend to be born of God, to, who pretend, who put on a show just for people. But why would somebody want to do that? You don't win an Academy Award. You don't win an Oscar to be, for being the greatest hypocrite in the church. Who are you trying to prove? Who are you trying to impress? Come to church one day a week or ever so often carrying a bigger Bible under your arm, talking about holy, 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 holy. Allowed as somebody here and there and the other, and then go back home and live a completely opposite life. God's not impressed with that. Are you hearing? No, no, no. If we are truly born of God, God gives us a new nature, and we don't want to do that stuff anymore. Hallelujah. But let me say this word too. Once you come into a relationship with Jesus, your life may not immediately get better. Sometimes it may get worse. Let me give you an example of that. I had a tooth. I had a, a bad tooth in my mouth. Boy, oh boy. Anybody ever had a bad toothache before? The only thing they could do is pull that bad boy out. You know, I was in more pain in the dentist chair than I was at home. As I heard the dentist say to the, uh, to, the, um, to the nurse lady standing beside me, I heard him say, hold his shoulders down. Oh, my God. That's one thing you do not want to hear. As he continued to, mm, 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 mm. I go, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I did not know that I could move with my butt. Sit up now, sit up, sit up, sit up. Sit up now, sit up, sit up, sit up. Hold his shoulder, hold his shoulder. Jesus, Jesus. It got worse before it got better. But after a while, it got a lot better. Are you hearing? Sometimes the, Holy, the Lord may say to the Holy Ghost, hold her shoulders down while I pull this out. 
She's in a bad relationship. Hold her down. Let me pull this out. It may get worse before it gets better. Then sometimes the Lord may just knock you out. Give you some good old laughing gas or whatever, whatever that is. And you wake up and the tooth is gone. You see, one day you say, I used to like doing that, but you know, I don't, I don't do that. I don't want to do that anymore. The desire has just been taken away from you. Oh God, knock us out. We pray for all the dentists that may be watching right now. We thank God for your ministry. Let's just leave it at that. Hallelujah. But you understand what we're saying. Sometimes it may get worse before it gets better. But it will get better. He will heal you. He will deliver you. But it's all about Jesus. And so the Bible says the Lord came to his own and his own received him not. Who was his own? He came to uh, the, the Jewish people. He came. The Lord was himself a Jewish. He was Jewish. Hallelujah. He came to his own and his own, but for the most part, rejected him. And after that rejection, he came and began to um, preach the gospel to the rest of the world, the Gentiles. He came to preach it to the rest of us. And so it says in verse number uh, number 12, it says, but as many as received him, that's us, hallelujah, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, children of God, offspring of God, even to them that believe on his name. So let me tell you something, if people go to hell, they go to hell of their own accord. God doesn't have to send anybody to anywhere. And they go because they reject Jesus, the very one that could save them from their sins. Again, the Lord's not telling you, okay, in order for you to come in a relationship with me, you got to break up with so-and-so, you got to stop drinking, you've got to stop this, stop this, all this other stuff. He's not saying, he's not saying any of that to you. Not one part of it is he saying that to you. That's what folk, that's what some people will say to you. But the Bible, the word of God says that none of that is required to, to come in a relationship with him. Not one he only requires you to do what? Believe in Jesus. Now, if you believe in Jesus and really are born of God, God changes you on the inside, guess what? There'll be some teeth pulling days. There'll be some days where God will pull some things out of your life. And these things are the things that are killing you. That tooth was poisonous. Abscessing and all that sort of stuff. It had to get out. It had to come out. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? There's some things in our life that are just killing us. Relationships that are killing us. Some things that are just bad for us. And sometimes they are rooted very deep. And it can hurt to pull it out. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? But the Lord's not saying you got to have that put out first and then come. He said come to me exactly how you are exactly how you are come to me and he loves you enough not to just leave you like you are that makes sense so i don't want any of you to believe that that um that faulty doctrine and all that stuff that's out there all these faulty things that says you got to stop this and stop that and stop that and then god's going to love you and then god's going to receive you no that's just simply not true he requires one thing for salvation Believing in Jesus, trusting, leaning, and relying on Jesus. Everything else God will take care of. 
That makes sense? That's the gospel in a nutshell. He's already made a way. So if you're in here today and you think, oh man, I can't give, I can't, I don't know what I'm here because of all my sin. What? You're just missing it all together. You've been a victim of false, faulty doctrine. But I thank God for the truth. That he takes you exactly where you are. The way you are. Again, there may be some teeth pulling days. But you'll be better for it after. Amen. So why did they refuse? Why did these first group of people, why did they refuse uh, to come to this feast? Why did they refuse to? Because the Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. And we saw earlier there. Uh, in Matthew that they simply refused to come. Why did they refuse? Well, we're going to see a little bit of that in the book of Luke, the tw Luke, the 14th chapter, why they refused, why they refused. And I'm telling you why they refused. So I pray that this heart is not in you and that there'll be some other people that you will encounter that will refuse the, the, the Lord's supper that will re frankly refuse the Lord's supper. And some will have these reasons. Now let's go to uh, Luke, the 14th chapter, Luke 14. And uh, verse 16 through 24, excuse me for a moment. I thank you, Father, for a greater hope coming into the lives of your people. I thank you, Father, for a greater hope that is coming into the lives of your people. I thank you, Lord, that you have not forsaken them. You have not forsaken them. I thank you, Lord, for financial blessings coming to your people's lives in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for restoration coming into their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for healing. I thank you for deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord's doing some things there. <clears throat> Let's go on and see what happens here. All right. So Mark, I'm sorry, Luke, the 14th chapter, verse 16. This is the same, the uh, same account, or I call it the uh, sister account here. Luke tells it. And, uh, Luke 14, verse 16, Jesus replied uh, with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. Sound familiar? He says, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses, making excuses. Yeah. What is an excuse? You might know what an excuse is. Let me tell you what an excuse is. An excuse is an attempt to lessen the blame attached to a fault. You know, you were supposed to pick me up at five o'clock and it's now seven o'clock and you come and give me an excuse. You want me to receive your reason. And if I receive your reason, you're, you're trying not to be hurt so much by my wrath. So you offer me this an excuse. An excuse is also an attempt to de to defend yourself or to justify your actions. It's an attempt to defend. You know, here it is. This is why I couldn't give you money. I know I owe you five hundred dollars. I know I said I pay you back on Friday, but here's my excuse. I'm trying to defend myself. I'm trying to justify my actions. I'm trying to uh, relieve the pain of my obligations, trying to, you know, hey, trying to get away from the responsibility is an excuse. If you make an excuse, you're already saying that you know you are responsible for this. You should have paid me my money. You should have arrived there on time. 
you knew we had an agreement. Right? So when someone gives you an excuse, they know that they have an obligation. They know that they're responsible. Has anybody ever given someone else an excuse before? An excuse to why you didn't have your homework in, excuse to why you didn't clean up your room, an excuse why you didn't pick somebody up, why you didn't wash your dishes, why you didn't whatever. You knew you were responsible for doing it. Right? They gave him excuses. One after the other, they gave him excuses. It says, and uh, let's look at these excuses. And uh, one said, uh, I have just bought a field and must uh, inspect it. I can't come because, hey, now I'm a property owner. I have stuff in, in simplest forms. I have some stuff. My stuff prevents me from coming to you. He says, please excuse me. So the first group did not come because of material possessions. What's preventing them from coming to the Lord? Secondly, he says, another said, I have uh, just bought five yokes, five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. That oxen talks about work or your career. I can't come and serve you, Lord. I can't come to you because of my work. You know, you know how busy I am because of my career. I can't do that now. I would come and serve you, but I can't. Right. So the first one, once again, was possessions. I can't serve you, Lord. I can't eat of your I can't eat with you uh, because of my stuff. You know, I can't let that go. Not now. The second one says I would serve you, Lord. But you know what? I'm so tired after working all the time. You know, I got all those obligations. We really can't get together. Second one was because of work. And look at the in, in verse 19. Another said, uh, yeah, I have just bought uh, five uh, pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Verse 20. Another said, I just got married. So, you know, I can't come. There's some activities. We got to work out. The last excuse was about relationships relationship how many people have have uh, quoted or given God the relationship excuse you know Lord I would really come and get in relationship with you but you know Buki he's not gonna get with it right now you know uh, Sally Sue she's not gonna get it right now you know Lord they don't like to go to church you understand that Lord so I because so, so I can keep the peace I'm gonna you know me and Buki and Junebug you know we're gonna have to we're going to have to stay right here, okay? So as soon as we can get worked out here, then, you know, I'll come on. First excuse about possessions. I got my stuff. I can't come because of my stuff. Second, I can't come because, you know, Lord, I'm tired. I'm working. You know, I really, really can't get this. Right? Really can't come because, uh, you know, I'm working. And the third one, because of relationships. This is why. This is why. Are you hearing me? So don't let that be in you. What excuse would you give the Lord for not coming? We'll give them a moment. Amen. All right. Thank God that you're praying with me today. In verse 21, it says, uh, the servant returned and told his master uh, what they had said. 
His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor and crippled um, the blind, the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, uh, there is still more room, right? There is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and and urge everyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those, none of those jokers I first invited will get even the smallest taste. They ain't getting a crumb of my banquet. Are you hearing me? So he said, hey, they say, okay, listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he, oh, what? he too busy? He got work? Okay, yeah. What about the other one? Uh-huh. Oh, he just got married? Oh, okay, uh-huh. What about the other one? They got stuff? Okay, yeah, okay. This is what you do. Go out and find the folk, folk that are broke. Find the poor. They're not doing anything anyway. Go and find the poor. He said, go and find the blind, those that have no sight, those that are dwelling in darkness. Find the blind, those that have no vision for their lives. Find them, bring them in. And then he said, go and find the crippled and the lame. Now, the difference between crippled and lame. Now, listen, the first group rejected him. And then he's coming to find everybody else. We're part of that everybody else. So many of us, when the Lord called us, were broke. That's, that is poor, unproductive. Some, were, some of us were blind. That is, we didn't have a vision for our lives. Didn't know where in the world we were going. And then he called also the cripple in the lane. The cripple of those that were uh, possibly born uh, without a limb. Born without an arm, born without a leg, or born with something uh, maldeformed. And a lot of people are born like that. I saw especially the other day, Brother Nelson uh, played it, where this man was born without arms. Born without arms. No, nothing. Born without arms. But yet and still, he was driving a car. Thank, thank God for modern technology. Driving a car with his feet. I mean, it was something to look at. And I saw this man working at a job, making good money, using the computer with his feet, uh, with the typing with his keyboard, with, with his feet, using the mouse wheel with his feet. The rest of them, he washing a car with his, the holes under his neck. <laughs> it sounds special, but he surely did it. The man washed the car with the holes under his neck. And he sprayed the car. He got another, the, the brush, the brush, and he put it under his neck. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not going to go there. But the man washed the car. He sprayed the car, drove around. And everybody else, look at this man. And my, I, help, I can't help but to say, my God, what's my excuse? Here's this man doing well in life. And we say, Lord, I can't come because I'm afraid. I can't go over there, but they may not like me. This man is living life large with no arms. And there's another man who's a, who's a very powerful public speaker, no arms and no legs. 
living life to the full. What in the world is your excuse? These people are born, no arms, no legs. People have to carry them around. And we got all of our faculties and are full of excuses. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We really don't have any excuse. That's why I thank God for their ministry. I thank God for their ministry. I thank God that they didn't let their current circumstance diminish them and, and fall into depression if anybody had the right to be. But instead, they're thriving. They are thriving. Ask your neighbor, what is your excuse? We don't have one. So one by one, and we're beginning to close, one by one, one by one, they said we can't come, but the next group said they could. The crippled, the ones who were born without, never had it to begin with. The lame are those who possibly, uh, I'm sure, were born with the parts, but the parts didn't work. Maybe by some accident or maybe by, by some disease. Uh, their legs stopped working. They were in an accident. Someone hurt them and they could no longer function like others. They couldn't move around. They couldn't walk. They couldn't move like other people. God said, bring them here. Those that were hurt, those who have been hurt before and they can't progress in life like others, bring them to me. Anybody ever been hurt before? Anybody ever been hurt in church before? I mean, hurt at home, hurt on the job. And it prevents you from moving forward. Hurt in, hurt in a relationship. And now you can't move. You can't progress further because of the pain. God said, bring them to me. And then he talks about another group of people. Those that were there uh, alongside the uh, hedges, behind the hedges. And th those that were simply on the outskirts of the town. Those that were rejects by the society. I mean, you're so bad off, you can't even go into town. You live out in the woods somewhere. Those who were despised, talked about, ridiculed, mocked. You stay out over there. You're not welcome in this community. God said, bring them all in. I want them all to come. Amen. And so now he's invited them all. But here's the thing. He's invited them to a wedding feast. And wedding garments are expensive. Now, these are poor people that are standing on beside the road that are begging for alms. Give me alms. Give me something to support myself. The blind, the lame, the crippled, all on the side of the road begging. They didn't have modern technology like we do today. All on the side of the road begging. They didn't have the money for expensive wedding garments because this was a kingly service. The king had invited the guests because his son uh, was getting married and there was this was a great feast not one of them I'm sure had a very expensive wedding garment not one of them I'm sure they may not have had the opportunity to have a bath or to groom themselves but yet and still he called them from the condition where they were are you hearing let's go a little bit further let's go back we're going to go back now to Matthew let's look at um verse number eight as we go back and it says, and he said to his servants, uh, the wedding feast is ready and the guest is rather. Yeah. And um, one second. And the guests I invited are worthy of the honor. Verse nine. Now go out 
to the street corners and invite everyone you see. All right, so here again, we're going back into Matthew. It's the same, same type. So the, um, the servant brought in everyone they could find good and bad alike. Good and bad. They brought everybody. Didn't discriminate. That's another lesson for the church, isn't it? Good and bad. Come on into fellowship with God. He wants you. Good and bad. Whatever you are, whatever you've done, God wants all of you. Those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that are blind, those that are lame. Come on. God said, I'll take you all. Those that are poor, those that are without. Here again, if someone goes to hell, it's because of them and not because of God. Are you seeing this picture here? And so he says that the, the whole, it says verse number um, 10. So the servant brought in everyone. Um, uh, they could find good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. Hallelujah. It was done. Isn't that wonderful? The banquet hall was, is filled with guests. Now look at verse number 11. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. King James said he was speechless. Now again, you would say, well, King, aren't you silly? This was a man that was either blind, poor, crippled, or lame, someone living on the outskirts of the, of the town, rejected by society. King, how do you expect for this man to have afforded a few thousand dollars worth of clothing and have him be cleaned and have a place to bathe and shower? How are you expecting that? Listen, when the king called you, he was also taking responsibility for you. He knew that he'd have to provide everyone he called a change of clothing. He knew that he would have to provide them a place to shower, maybe a place to shave. He knew that he would have to groom them so that they all would be ready to come in the wedding. That makes sense. So when this man comes in, the king comes in, and he sees this man here who is still probably smelling, who's not been groomed and all that. The king comes in and he sees them and he sees everybody else wearing these fine wedding garments that he's provided. He asked him, and I love the way he says, he says, friend. You say, well, the man said, at least I came. At least I showed up. Those other jokers didn't show up. But at least I came. But the king said, how in the world did you come in, friend? Thank you for coming. But how in the world are you in here not having a wedding garment? And I'm sure the king is, is thinking, tell me something. How? Were my servants not attending to you? Did we not have your size? Were, were the bathrooms unavailable? Were the showers unavailable at the time? How in the world did you get in here? How in the world are you here not having that? Did you not have the opportunity that all the other people have had? He's willing to give me. Tell me something. Tell me something. How did you get in here? How did this happen? Well, the man couldn't, he was speechless, couldn't, couldn't respond because he had no excuse. Everything was provided for him. Everything. Here again, when you and I go to heaven, everything is provided for us. Everything is provided. These clothing that the, that the king gave them, the clothing is the righteousness of Christ. God said, I provide everything for you. Everything. You just have to submit to it. 
These people, the poor, the blind, the lame, all of them, none of them were expected to pay their way. And none of you are expected to pay your way to heaven. The father said, I provided it all for you. He provided a place for you to be washed, provided new garments, all of that. He said, I provided all for you. Nothing is missing. He, the king, uh, paid all of the expense for every last person there. And Jesus paid the price for all of us while he hung on that cross. The whole thing is paid for. All you got to do is say yes and submit to the cleaning. Take off those old rags. Take off, take off that old rag of a life and put on the righteousness of Christ. Take off your old way. Just say, Lord, you know what? I, I receive your calling. I receive your invitation to the banquet. And I'm taking off my old. And I'm allowing you to put the new on me. I'm allowing you to cleanse, cleanse me and to wash me and to make me whole. I'm thankful for this opportunity that you've given me to eat in this place. This place that I don't deserve. I don't have the resources to get here. I wasn't even invited at first. I was looked over at first. But now you selected me. And I'm grateful for it. I come in and I submit to you now. And I say yes. Well this man here, he was speechless. And the Bible says here, let's look a little bit further. It says that the verse 12, friend, he asked, how is it that you were here, that you are here without wedding clothes? But the, well, the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be what? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says here, for many are called, but few are chosen. Weeping and gnashing of teeth talks about a, of course it talks about severe pain, but also the pain of regret. When you say, I could have done it, but I just didn't do it. I should have done it. Why didn't I do it? Anybody ever had a, uh, a case like that before? You said, I wish I had done this and you've experienced regret. You could have done it, but you just didn't do it. And so this man is bound and he is cast out. He is cast away and he's experiencing much regret. So today I will ask you, as we close, today I will ask you, if God is calling you and he is, if you're not a part of the body of Christ, if you have never really submitted to his washing, to his cleansing, if you've never really received um, his, his wedding garments or the righteousness that God provides through the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've never received that, You've never received. You may have come to church here or there. You may have read your Bible here or there. You may have you may have put up a prayer, you know, when things were bad, but you never really received him. And you know, if you come into the presence of God, go into heavenly places right now, you know that you wouldn't have on the proper attire. You know that you wouldn't have on the proper clothing. You know that you are not ready. You know that you are just simply not ready. Well, what will prevent you from coming today? What excuse would you give? I got to work. We saw that. I'm in, relationship with, I'm in relationship with somebody else, so I can't come. But well, we saw that. You know, Lord, I'm not willing to give up my stuff. We saw that too. What, what excuse would you give today? Why wouldn't you come to Christ when God has provided everything? 
Now remember, he's not telling you to stop doing this or stop doing that, then come. He's just saying, come home. Just as you are, come home. Can't you hear the, the warning sounds? You look at the news. There are people in great distress everywhere. There are wars and rumors of wars. People are fighting people over social media, talking about this person and talking about that person. There is constant stuff bickering and fighting between countries, between people, and it's going on every day. And we're here in this world among it, amongst it. Are you hearing? Question is, what would prevent you from coming to Christ today? I'm not talking about you giving just a, just a quick prayer and I'm going to do this because it makes somebody else happy. You're saying, I've made a decision today to trust in Jesus, to trust in him for my salvation, to receive the things that he has provided for me. Let's close with this. Let's go to Revelation 19. Let me show you this. Let's close with this here. These four verses. Remember I told you in the first feast, as the, as the Bible talked about, Jesus is both groom and he's also the meal that's provided. He's the lamb. He's the flesh that is given that the father gives for all mankind for the saving of the world. But then there's also going to be a great feast in heaven. And I pray that all of us are there. When Jesus himself is the groom and the church is the bride. And there's a great marriage supper prepared for us. Look at Revelation 19 verses 6 through uh, 9. It says, then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. Let us uh, be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride hath prepared herself. Look at verse number eight. She has been given the, the finest of pure white linen to wear. Doesn't that sound familiar? There's a change of clothing here. Look at the verse and it goes on for the linen rather for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Verse number nine. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. And he added, these are true words that 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 uh, that come from God. You have been invited. I pray that today you understand that you have been invited and that the father has paid a tremendous price to get this meal ready for you. If you reject this, then you reject what the father's done. You've rejected the opportunity to be ready, to get ready, to spend an eternity with him. Why do people go to hell? Because they're simply not ready for heaven. Understand something, when you die, and we will all die unless the Lord raptures the church, when you die, you will be forever stuck the way you are. And understand something, we can hide who we are in the body sometimes. We can hide who we are in measures of darkness. But in the spirit, you will no longer be able to hide what you are. Everything is clearly seen. 
Everything is clearly seen. And you get stuck that way for an eternity. So if you die a murderer and all this other stuff, or, or simply if you die without Christ putting on his righteousness upon you, washing all of that away, regardless of what you feel, the Lord has dealt with the sin and he has washed it away out of your life. And you enter into eternity washed and having on spotless white garments, completely clean and completely accepted in the presence of God. Completely, completely accepted in the presence of God. Completely accepted. But if we die without that, then we're not ready. Then we become like this man here in the, in the wedding feast. How did you get here? How in the world did you let this happen? How in the world did you did not, how in the world did you not allow yourself to be clean? How in the world did you not allow the change of clothes? How in the world did you, friend, how did you do that? Why? There's no place for you here. Every sin has a smell. It has a scent. It has, has a scent. And it smells worse than the, the worst dump. And we may not be able to sense it now being in our physical bodies. But if we're all in the spirit, you smell it clearly. Just like the things of God have a beautiful smell, a beautiful aroma. You can smell that too in the presence of angels. If you're able, if God ever allows you to, to smell the presence of angels, it's very sweet. Very sweet. But also there are some foul things on the enemy's camp. So that person will be stuck like that for an eternity. So I'm telling you today. Don't reject, don't refuse him when he offers you the invitation, when he says, you are invited. I pray, for your, I pray you've heard the word of God today. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. And there you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.